Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Suzanne Halverson. She's a textile studio artist and a partner in By Hand Gallery. She's currently a visiting lecturer at Indiana University School of Fine Art and at Earlham College. She's taught weaving workshops at Penland School of Craft, Ghost Ranch, Grunland Guild, and at HGA's Convergence, and for countless weavers' guilds and conferences. Her work is published in Handwoven, Shuttle, Spindle, and Dye Pot, and Weaving for Worship. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you with us today. I'm curious how you got interested in this medium of weaving. Well, I actually started weaving uh, when I was a student of art history at Valparaiso University actually 40 years ago. Um, And I was taking a night course in weaving to do something with my hands because I had an all-academic semester. And it was almost as though as soon as I started weaving my first tapestry, I knew that was what I was going to do with my life. Wow, that's pretty powerful. So do you have a favorite type of thing that you like to weave in product? Well, I have two different, um, distinctly different lines of work that I do. I do um, uh, what I would call my secular line, a line of handwoven scarves and shawls um, using primarily bamboo and silk and linen and cotton. I'm allergic to wool um, that I sell at our gallery here in Bloomington and also that I sell across the country. I have my work in uh, North Carolina and New Mexico and different places in Indiana. And then I also uh, have a line of liturgical work that I do. And when I say that, what I mean is that I weave vestments and pyramids uh, for worship spaces. And so this is all hand-woven cloth and... um, Again, I use fibers such as cotton and linen and uh, silk and bamboo. So when, when you're getting ready to work on a project, do, um, do people commission you to weave a particular thing for them, or do you create the end product and then they choose from what you've got in stock? Uh, when I weave for churches for um, commission work, I do not have things in stock. It is all custom work. And that involves quite an elaborate process of communication, both visual and verbal communication. I often will visit um, a pastor or a congregation or a church and talk with the people. And I not only um, talk with the pastor, but I want to get to know the people and I want to, to see what the landscape is like there. And and so I try to uh, get a feel for what it is that they want from me. And 
and it doesn't always click, but most of the time it does. But it's very important to me to um, know that I'm maintaining uh, their integrity and my own integrity when I do the commission work. I, I have a style. I mean, I have a look that when you see my work, you will hopefully identify that it's mine. But as far as the liturgical work, I don't really have a catalog of um, pieces that you can choose from. So how much time does um, someone need to allow if they were going to commission you to do a piece for a church? I would say um, roughly around three months is a good time period. That gives me time to finish up whatever I'm working on and and, um, take the time and to do the work Uh, There's design time involved. There's sometimes travel time and certainly a lot of time at the loom. And and I also work in collaboration with uh, a woman who is a nun, Sister Evelyn Forthover, who sews my vestments for me. I'm really not much of a seamstress, so I have to work through with her schedule as well. Well, I'm a big believer in collaborations. I think they're such a beautiful thing to let everybody do the things they're best at. <laughs> yes, I I love collaborating too. And, and actually, one of my favorite collaborations was with a liturgical designer named Richard Kemmerer, who is from Washington State, and Patsy Zavistowski, who is a textile artist from Chicago, and I. And uh, Richard called me and said that there was a church, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Manhattan, that had had kind of a tragedy. The wrecking ball that was intended for the J.C. Penney's next door wiped out the side of their church. Oh, no. And after replacing the glass and working with them, Richard said there was enough money left to do some processional banners. So Richard designed the banners. There were five seasonal banners that were 45 inches wide by 12 feet tall, and he designed them sort of in a stained glass pattern, and Patsy did the applique work, and I wove 58 yards of fabric in 35 colors, and it took a year, but it was a really great collaboration. Well, that sounds like a fun project. So, Suzanne... (laughs) How do you? How does your spirituality find expression in your art? Well, the act of weaving is what I call active meditation. It um, every step of the process is slow and intentional, and for me, very calming. So um, I find that as I weave, I use it as a meditation. Now, that's not to say that I'm always tuned in. I mean, I do listen to books on tape and watch TV sometimes and listen to music, but there are times when I'm weaving when I really do feel like I am in what I call the zone where I am completely connected to the work that I'm doing and everything else disappears. And to me, that feels like a spiritual experience, Um, not unlike listening to music or, you know, being at a concert when when everything else disappears, but your connection with that musician, um, someone like Carrie Newcomer, right. who I, I love and I know you've interviewed on your program, um, that spiritual time, that time of creativity, is probably the most precious thing for an artist when you really feel like you're channeling 
the work that you're intended to be doing. And do you have any kind of a process or, or ritual that you use to kind of get into that creative space when you're getting ready to create? Um, I can honestly say that I don't. Okay. <laughs> I usually just, um, the, the most, the best thing for me is to just do it. Just, just be there, be present. And, um, I, I do find that often when I am doing the work, if I pay attention, I will hear or feel or sense new ideas coming so that um, I'm kind of ready for the next project. So, so it, is, it is in many ways a spiritual practice. It's a practice of being present and listening and always being willing to be open to what that voice is telling me. Well, and when you're um, when you're in this process of creating, it sounds like you've got a couple of very different types of things that you do in your creation process. Part of it is the actual weaving, which you said is very meditative, but then you also have that time of of working with either in a collaboration or with a client when you're creating what they want. So, uh, how do you connect differently to those different parts of your creativity? Well, I think the common thread is that. Um, integrity is really important and and trying to stay true to who I am as an artist. Uh, I think it's it's a temptation sometimes to um, be pulled in, in many different directions and to try to do things to please people. And I just turned 60, and I am learning now (laughs) at the age of 60 that I can say no to demands on my time or to commissions that may not be in harmony with where I want to go with my work. And so I think that, that, as you said, there are many different pieces of this being a weaver and doing both secular and liturgical work. And I think that for me, whether I'm weaving a scarf for a gallery in Santa Fe or if I'm weaving a liturgical commission, it's all one and the same. It's all about honoring my gift and making that gift unique to me. And and so that's how I feel. Well, and I know for any artist that, you know, creates art and sells art and uses that as part of their livelihood or all of their livelihood, there's a lot of business things that you have to do as well. So are you able to actually weave every day? I do try to weave every day. Um, And I can't promise that I do, but that's my goal is to sit at the loom every day. And as my friend Carrie Newcomer and I were talking just the other day about how, um, she's a singer-songwriter, how business can really consume so much of our time and energy. And so what I try to do is start my day um, with some meditation and with some focused writing exercises. Um, I, use, I have done um, the group the artist's way several times with several different groups of people, and I find that just writing 
in the process of writing, I'm able to sort of channel my energy, and I like to do that, and I like to do my creative creating early in the day, particularly my designing, because I think that's when we are at our most pure um, place. And then after I've done that, I'm willing to look at emails and so <laughs> on. But the business piece is very necessary, and it unfortunately does really take away from the creative process, but it has to be, so we do it. Right. Well, and you mentioned earlier that when you that you kind of fell in love with weaving because you were taking these very ac- academic classes. Um, yeah. Have you always, since you discovered weaving, have you always been able to do that full-time, or have, did you have to kind of work into that from doing well, other ever things? since I started weaving, when someone asks me what I do, I tell them that, First, I am a weaver, uh, and that is very true because I will always hopefully be able to do that. Um, I have been an artist since I was a child. My father was an art historian and a painter and a printmaker, and my mother was a textile person. She taught me to sew and knit and weave. And, and so I've always known that I was an artist forever, and I think I was just blessed with having a household that was rich with art and music. My dad was also a a cellist, and so I didn't know anything different. And um, I've had many different pieces of my career. I I owned a yarn shop for 12 years, uh, which I sold about three years ago. I was a gallery director for three years at Indiana University and for seven years at a place called the John Waldron Art Center. I um, am partners in a gallery that has been here for 33 years called By Hand Gallery in Bloomington. Uh, There are 12 of us that are members, but I'm one of the charter members. And I also travel and I teach a lot. I mean, part of, much of what I'm doing right now is actually teaching my craft, and I'm doing less weaving and more teaching. So when you're teaching students, are you teaching students that are all different levels, or are you teaching people that already have some level of knowledge as far as weaving goes? Well, since the early 80s, I have taught weaving workshops to primarily weavers' guilds to people who, or conferences, weaving conferences, where people do have um, a basic knowledge of weaving. I also teach every summer at, and I will be teaching in July again, at Ghost Ranch in um, New Mexico, where Georgia O'Keeffe lived. There's I have a weaving program there that I do for a week, and then also at the Grunewald Guild in Washington State. Um, And I can give you the contact information for that later. But um, right now I'm actually teaching on the college level, and, and primarily I'm teaching introductory and intermediate weavers Um and that is very, very exciting. What excites me about that is that these are students who have chosen to take a course in textiles, and it happens to be weaving, and many of them have not woven before. And as you probably know, in this culture of technology, it's quite a challenge to use that part of the brain that actually make, is designed for making things and creating things. Um, so I'm finding it very gratifying to um, work with these students, these college students, and really get them excited about the art of weaving. And do you find that in your teaching that this 
idea of connecting art and spirituality ever comes up in your classes? Well, at the university, at a public university, I, I don't talk about it as much, but individually I do talk with students um, about sometimes about their source, sources of inspiration. And as a matter of fact, this afternoon I'm meeting with a couple of students later on who I taught last spring that are just still really wanting to meet with me and talk about just such Oh, that's awesome. Um, things. And, and I find that very gratifying that um, some of us do have a spiritual base that we find um, is, is being channeled through our, our artwork, and, and that excites me. Well, and Suzanne, I'm curious how your art has affected your spiritual evolution or how your spiritual evolution has affected your art. Well, actually, my art is my spiritual evolution um, that's a good question i just kind of find that it's my true north and without it i don't know who i would be <laughs> um, it kind of keeps me seeing the world as a hopeful place i i try to look for beauty and inspiration every day and um so i i have to say that i consider it my calling and that um for example Every year I travel to Guatemala. Uh, I either take students or go on my own. And um, for me, that is an evolution to be able to visit other cultures that have rich textile traditions um, and also to visit cultures that are not as privileged as we are and to find that the people there who face just unspeakable, unspeakably difficult living conditions still find um, the time and the energy to do the work that they are intended to do. And they have a very strong faith base where I go. And um, they also just live in the moment. And, and I feel like as an artist, if we can pay attention, if we can see beauty every day, and um, pay attention and be in the moment and be thankful for what gifts we have, which in my case is the gift of being a, a weaver. Um, I can remain hopeful and keep evolving and keep teaching students so that the art of weaving keeps evolving. Well, I think that's beautiful. And I, you know, I hadn't ever really, I, I'm not a weaver and I don't really know anything about it, but I, um, it's. I hadn't really thought of some traditions, some cultures having a, a more of a textile tradition than others. Um, so that's interesting that Guatemala is one of those places. What are some other countries that you feel like have a very rich textual well, textual my tradition? Work. Uh, those of those who are weavers who know my work know that my source of inspiration is ethnic textiles and and textiles from other cultures, primarily Guatemala, Africa and for me, Japan. Uh, I'm actually currently writing an article that will be in the March-April 2013 Handwoven magazine based on exactly that. It is on using ethnic textiles as a source of design for contemporary weaving. And so I love to travel, and whenever I do travel, I am always looking at the textiles of the culture where I'm going, um, 
for example, I'm going to Scotland. I'm very interested in Celtic theology, and I'm going to Scotland in June, not only as a weaver, but as someone who is interested in Celtic theology. I'm basically an ELCA Lutheran. I go to St. <laughs> Thomas Lutheran Church here in Bloomington, but I'm a very ecumenical Christian, and I am open to all forms of spirituality that speak to me. And uh, when I was teaching at Ghost Ranch the last few years, I have overlapped with a, a theologian named J. Philip Newell, who is a Celtic theologian. And um, so I've decided that I need to go and, and see Iona, which is a, a spiritual center in Scotland, as well as the Highlands and the Weavers there. Well, I'm sure that that's going to be beautiful. So you'll just have to be careful about the wool since you're a little, since you're allergic yeah. to the wool. <laughs> that is a problem. However, a lot of the allergies to wool are not um, necessarily relevant because sometimes it's just the chemicals that the wools are treated with. Oh, really? The raw wool, the pure wool, is not as much of a problem for me. So I hope that's true when I get to. See that that Paris tweet. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you're gathering these ideas from all these different cultures, do you have some way that you catalog that, or that you keep track of that, or that you sketch it, or how do you? I do actually. That's also a good question. I um, I take my little um, packet of yarn with me that has a spectrum of colors, and I do what I call color windings. I I will either photograph or maybe just do a quick uh, colored pencil sketch of an area, but then I, I carry with me um, yarn that is of every spectrum, and I wind. I, I take little little cards, and I wind colors onto cards as a reminder of the colors that I might want to use when I come back home to weave. I'm very, very interested in the use of color and texture in my work, and a lot of that comes from from my travels. So when you're doing the color winding, it's more to get the combination of colors as opposed to getting any kind of a pattern or anything like that? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's fascinating. So when you're um, kind of backing up to your commission work, when you're working on a commission, what do you show them as kind of a, to get an approval before you do a a large piece? Well, I actually, um, I often will do a drawing and, um, you know, or colored pencil, or um, I certainly show them images of other work that I've done, and I, I, I try to create something unique for each commission. I will bring yarns, I'll bring actual fabric, pieces of fabric so that so that the group can see and feel and touch because textiles are really tactile, they're really for touching. And I want to make sure that they see what they're getting as far as the the drape of the yarn or the drape of the fabric and the the colors that I'm able to achieve. So it's a combination of drawings um, and actual fabrics, and then I also bring along um, a PowerPoint of the liturgical work that I have done, so that they can see that I'm for real <laughs> and that I have done this work. 
That sounds really interesting. And I, I, I know that you mentioned that you have done some collaborations and you do a lot of things solo. Um, and you also mentioned that both of your parents are artists. Have you ever done any kind of collaborations with your parents? You know, the closest that I have come to that is my father and I did an exhibit when I was a gallery director on campus at Indiana University. It was just called Two Generations, and it was uh, my father's drawings, paintings, and prints, and my weaving. So um, we never really collaborated on a single um, project except for an exhibit that we did together that was probably the my favorite exhibit that I've ever done. <laughs> that sounds very cool. So yeah. how do your ideas come to you, and how do you decide which ideas you're going to move forward with? Well, I, I've i been recently working on trying to be forward-thinking. Sometimes I look at vestments and pyramids, and I feel as though it's sort of based in royalty and kind of old <laughs> feeling. I, I, I don't want to sound snobbish, but I do have issues with what we call cut and paste for Jesus. Some of the things <laughs> that I see in catalogs that really do look like cookie cutter art. And um, what excites me is when I get a commission that really does push my artistic boundaries. And I, I did one recently that I think is a good example. Um, my friend Richard Kemmer, who is my mentor and friend from Washington State, um, introduced me to Pastor Steve Harms, who is a pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in uh, Danville, California, just outside of San Francisco. And their church was celebrating the 10th anniversary of their sanctuary, and they wanted to um, have a Lenten piece created that sort of created a, a Space, like a sacred space. And I've always loved tents since I was a little girl. I like um, I liked putting blankets over uh, card tables, and, and I like the concept of the chuppah, which is a, a Jewish wedding tent. Uh-huh. Um, and Richard also had suggested maybe thinking in terms of creating a tent. So what I designed was a 10 by 10 space, using four-inch bamboo as a structure, and I wove, um, I wove five strips of fabric out of bamboo, so the structure was bamboo and the yarn was bamboo, um, in Lenten colors, which were basically purple, and then I included a, sort of a sky blue and, and red to indicate the blood, and created this tent that apparently, I have not seen it, in person, I haven't been able to get to California to see it, but I have seen pictures, and there are, is a picture on my website. And it really is quite a special space, and I do know that when they take it down after Lent, some of the congrega- congregation members, congregations members are sad to see it go. So um, I like the idea now um, of sort of picking and choosing the commissions that I accept based on if I can do something new and something that inspires me and not just the same old thing. Well, and I I would love to have a picture of that, and, and I'll be sure and post it on our website, so I'll coordinate with you to be sure I get a copy of that picture as well. Okay. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and find out more about you? 
Well, I do have a website, and that is www.suzannehalverson.com. And why don't you spell that, uh, So that's easy. It's just my name. And then um, if you're wanting to look for more of my work, I do have my work in a book that's called Weaving for Worship um, that is was published by Robin and Russ Hand Weavers. Um, my, some of my scarves will be featured in this coming March, April, hand-woven, 2013 hand-woven magazine, and that is uh, published by Interweave Press. And then the other thing that I find really kind of exciting and important is that I would like to invite people to consider taking a class with me. Um, I am teaching both at the Grunewald Guild um, and the uh, in July. The website for that is www.artfaith.com. So it's just one word, artfaith.com. And that is a fantastic um place in Washington State where you can go to learn different arts that are related to worship. And so that's www.artfaith.com. And then also in July, I will be teaching at Ghost Ranch in Abiquiu, New Mexico. And that, I think, is just ghostranch.com or .org. Uh, If you Google Ghost Ranch, you'll find it. And um, both of those places, I am teaching all levels of weavers. So if you've never woven before, you can come and maybe weave a scarf or a stole. And if you have woven before, I will work with you at whatever level you are and we'll take you to the next step. That's awesome. And I, you know, I just recently, I've been a huge fan of Georgia O'Keeffe my whole life. And I just, in the last year and a half, discovered Ghost Ranch. And I thought, how did I not know about this? But they, Oh, it's a fantastic. And they have amazing classes like yours. I mean, they have all kinds of amazing classes. Yeah, they do. They do. And and so does the Grunewald Guild. The Grunewald Guild has been in existence since 1980, and it's one of the best-kept secrets. It's just a beautiful place in the Cascade Mountains. Um, So both Ghost Ranch and the Grunewald Guild are great places to go to learn more about what people like I am doing. So it's... It's really exciting. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being on the show. And I'm just going to spell your name for folks. It's Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, Halverson, H-A-L-V-O-R-S-O-N.com is your website. So thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week.